Hello, and welcome to the Slow Style Home Podcast. If you don't want a cookie-cutter, generic home, and instead you want a beautiful, meaningful home that's layered with personality, then you are going to be so inspired by the conversations we have on this show. We talk about why the environments we create matter and how to set up our rooms to evoke specific feelings and experiences that are right for you wherever you are in your life right now. I'm Zandra, your host and creator of the Slow Style Home Framework that teaches you how to make really thoughtful and informed decisions about your home rather than chasing current trends that may not last or staying stuck with rooms you hate, feeling overwhelmed with too many choices. Right now, when you join our monthly membership, the Slow Style Society, you'll get a personalized deep dive into your vision of what a dream home looks and feels like. And together, we'll come up with a plan on how to achieve that. If that sounds pretty awesome to you, go to slowstylehome.com and click on Join the Society for all of the details. I'll tell you a little bit more about it later on. Right now, let's just jump into today's episode. Hello, and welcome to the Style Matters Podcast. I'm Zandra, your host, and I am so glad you're here. If you're looking for ways to love your home, enhance its beauty, and above all, make it a place that both nurtures you and inspires you, then you're in the right place. On this show, I talk with the most thoughtful designers, stylists, and artists in the industry about why our environments have such a huge impact on our overall happiness and whether or not we go through our days uplifted or dragged down. I pick their brains for how they do what they do and how we can apply it to our own homes. I believe everyone deserves to have beauty in their lives, and if it's lacking in yours or if you just can't get enough of gorgeous interiors, this show is for you. I'm so glad you found us. Before we get started, I'm excited to announce that starting tomorrow, Tuesday, November 15th, you'll be able to get early bird access to our online course, Master the Mix. The purpose of the course is to transform a room in your home using primarily what you already have in about four weeks. It's an online course, but there's lots of live components where you and I will be able to see each other and talk in real time all about your project. There's a lot of hands-on help that I give people in this course. Now, there are a couple of reasons to check this out right away. First, sign up ends the following Tuesday on November 22nd. So you basically only have one week starting tomorrow. Two, there are a few early bird related things that you may want to take advantage of now. And three, Thanksgiving in the U.S. is right around the corner and you know you're going to get distracted. So am I. So sign up now. Now, let me explain something. The course itself won't start until the first week of February because we're all crazy busy or just crazy this time of year, right? By February, we're more likely to have the mental energy to make over a room in your home. And there will be a week in January where signups will be open again. It's just that the early bird specials won't be available in January. Now, there's a lot of information about the course, 
what to expect, what you'll learn and accomplish on the website, lidiellocouch.com forward slash master the mix. Or you can just click on the word course right at the top of the homepage. I would be honored to coach you through my slow style framework for creating your signature style, starting with one room in your home. Again, you can find out all about it at littleyellowcouch.com forward slash master the mix. And one more thing, you may know this already, but I'm offering a free masterclass this week and there's still time to sign up. It's live on Zoom. There are four different times to choose from. Coming to that is probably the best way to know if you like my teaching style and my design approach. Plus, it's live, so I'll stay on to answer any question you have about your home, and it's free, so sign up for that too. Info on that is also on the website, littleyellowcouch.com, and even if you can't make any of the times, sign up anyway, because that's how you'll get access to the replay, which you can watch on your own schedule. It's packed with lots of great info. It's called The Number One Reason Your Home Doesn't Look and Feel How You Want It To and How to Fix It. And again, it's happening this week. Phew. Okay, that was a lot. (laughs) Thanks for hanging in there with me. Now, let's get on with today's episode. My guest today is professional stylist Pippa Jameson, who just came out with a book called The Sensory Home, an inspiring guide to mindful decorating. In it, she breaks down how to make sure your home is engaging each of your five senses. You know, we so often focus only on how a room looks when it comes to interiors, but how it feels to our touch, what sense we breathe in, what we hear, even the idea of slowing down for a meal so we can really focus on the deliciousness of each bite, All of it is applicable to all of us. And Pippa is a terrific guide on getting us in the mindset of thinking beyond the visuals and more about how our entire bodies are experiencing a space. Here's Pippa. Jameson, welcome to the Style Matters podcast. We are going to be talking about our five senses today. I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to be on your show. Wonderful. So, You've written this beautiful book, The Sensory Home, an inspiring guide to mindful decorating. And I certainly am on board with mindful decorating. <laughs> At the very beginning of the book, though, before we get into the, the five senses, which, I'm, which is where we're going to spend the bulk of our time, you, you have organized the book room by room on creating sensory experiences. But before you do that, you start with organization. And I I thought that was telling. I know there's a reason why you wanted to start there. I think the most important takeaway is when you say that just because something has always been done a certain way <laughs> doesn't mean it's an unbreakable rule. So first, why did you start with organization when you were thinking about how to format this book, how you want to take readers through your thought process? And then also, what do you mean by, we don't have to do things the same way all the time? <laughs> can you sense my stubbornness in that sense? <laughs> I can, I can. I, I, I loved it so much. Yeah, that's why I wanted to highlight it. I think there's probably two reasons why. The first reason we started with organization is because that's what generally people can relate to more than anything else. Mm. And the classic saying, tidy mind, tidy house is kind of cliche, but it's really true. And I think where a lot of people struggle is the visual aspect of our senses and meaning that it can feel so chaotic 
when your house is just a mess. And simply put, it often comes down to storage solutions. It comes down to making sure that the functionality of your room is fit for purpose. By that, I mean not having a room that is meant to be an office and a spare room and everything else, but it's not set up for that way. So these organizational tips and factors and hacks are really going to be the bare bones of advice we can give you for it. So that was the first reason for people to be able to relate to that issue rather than jumping into the senses, which people just might not understand in the first instance. The second (laughs) as to you don't have to do what you're always told is that I think a lot of it comes from having a child that is autistic and neurodiverse and and people sort of looking at what we do in a different way or, or you know, people expect you to conform and behave a certain way in society. And that isn't often the case. So I'm very used to changing the rules and patterns and routines to suit individual needs. And that's exactly the same for the setup of your house. No one setup fits all. And I mean, I guess one example to give for that is that, you know, give your child a bath, read a book, put them to bed, you know, that yeah, that would be a lovely, a, if we could all do that you know? <laughs> with, with peacefulness, you know, with yeah. arguing, wouldn't that be nice? Exactly. Just something that your parents tell you that you have to do. And <laughs> one of the biggest battles for us is it just, it didn't work. You know, bath time was horrendous because my daughter had sensory needs and she couldn't stand the shampoo or the touching of her head or anything like that. I was utterly exhausted because I'd been at work for the day and it was just not working. So we moved bath time to the morning. And I remember people going, oh, what a ridiculous thing to do. How are you <laughs> going to stew with your child? How will she go to sleep? But the point is, is that we moved it to the morning when I had more energy uh, to deal with the situation that wasn't working and to solve the sensory issues. She wore goggles because it counterbalanced the sensory effect of having her hair washed. Right. But the point is, the point is the same rule applies to everything. When you're in the confines of your own home, you can do what you like, whether that's building a curved wall, painting your house black, you know, sleeping with a mattress on the floor. It doesn't matter. So it's just a sort of gentle reminder to say what works for you is okay in the confines of your own home. You're not answerable to anybody. Right. So there's a couple things I want to say about this. Immediately, I want to say that the other piece that I took from what you were writing about was not just that you don't have to follow somebody else's rules. That, that's true. But also, you don't even have to follow your own rules or a better way to put it maybe is your own habits. I think yes. that we get in in ruts and we we can't see a different solution because we think this is the only way for, for yeah. whatever, for where to put your silverware for, you know, yeah. I mean, any of the habits that we have in our, where we dump our keys, how mm-hmm. we sort the mail, like all mm-hmm. of those things, we, we, we sort of assume these habits and we can't even figure out why does coming home feel so disorganized and chaotic. And, and I think what you're saying to us is look around you know, your, what what are you naturally doing? Where do you naturally want to put your keys down or shug off your, your purse or, or, or whatever, and then kind of make your home work for you? Is that, is that fair? That's exactly right. That is exactly right. And I think that the book makes you reflect and yeah. then reframe the way that you are doing things. And also, you know, you're absolutely right. We become blind to things. Yeah. And we get so used to things that we just don't notice them anymore. And so, you know, I say mentally walk yourself through your day right from getting up to making breakfast to, you know, putting things away, making supper. 
think about what you do from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep. And what the book does is it makes you address each one of your senses to work out where the stress points are of all the things you do throughout your day, what your processes are and what can you do to alleviate them. So it's a, it's a pause and a yeah. think and a make notes. And that's, yeah. that's hopefully what it will make you do. Yeah, absolutely. And stop and look with fresh eyes and don't assume yeah. that. Yeah. So the other thing I want to I want to talk about a little bit and, and I should have started with this. You you sort of mentioned there you have a child with neurodiverse needs, abilities. She has autism. I also have a child with special needs. And it really does open your eyes to what to how to think differently about yeah. how our homes are set up <laughs> and what their needs are. They they can they really will demand things of you that that you just never even thought were going to was going to be an issue. I wondered if you wanted to talk a little bit about that, how much of that has influenced your desire to write a book about our senses and paying attention to them because I think you also say that it's it's not just for people with with neurodiverse needs right it's it's for everybody yeah and and actually what you've said is 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 so so true your home does function differently when you have a a, a neurodiverse child and I feel blessed to have all of my close family members at home and I've learned so so much I cannot tell you and I feel very privileged to be able to share mm. what I now believe will truly help lots of people and it was absolutely my daughter who was my inspiration I mean having been in the industry for 25 years I have a lot of you know industry knowledge on interiors a huge passion for interiors and I guess when we realized that my daughter was autistic I started to think about the home more like you rightly said mm. you think about your surroundings in a way mm. that you probably wouldn't have had to think about as much mm. we have think about our surroundings so much more and we have set processes that we do at home that we started to sort of use and some of those things would be you know I have a familiar scent that I burn at home which we all love and find familiar we've painted our house a certain color I had mm. sensory strip LED lights that I put in the girls' bedroom and various other organizational hacks. Yeah. And over time, my, my you know, neurotypical daughter that doesn't have any needs would say to me, Mommy, you know, I, I feel so calm and I love the colors and just all of this information. And I sort of quickly realized that the sensory approach to setting up your home is beneficial for everybody yes. and I think that combined with my knowledge already of color and interiors and furniture and materials I just wanted to share it I wanted yeah. to talk about, chat about the sort of sensory benefits of how we approach it from a from a sort of um yeah sensory perspective because we right. now know that our mental health is intrinsically linked with our home surroundings and so I just yeah, I was desperate to write about it. And obviously, by pure coincidence, by the time we actually spoke with a publishing house, COVID had, COVID had happened. <laughs> and so it was such an easy sell. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. We're all spending all this time in our homes and we're finally realizing how much it matters. Yes. Um, yes. What an impact you know, it can have. Yeah. What an impact it can have. And I think what I always say is that, you know, the book isn't a book for neurodiverse children. The book isn't for neurotypical. It is a book about sensory design. And because it's about sensory design, it therefore becomes applicable to children who have sensory needs or individuals rather who have sensory needs. And that's the message that, you know, we're talking about throughout the book. That's the thread. 
let's dive in. Let's get into those senses. So I, I want to kind of go through all of them. <laughs> let's start with the with the sense of touch because that's my favorite. How can we bring in touch? How can we pay attention to that that sense of ours in in our homes in ways that maybe we hadn't been even aware of? Yeah, and I think that's a really good point. That last sentence that you just said in in ways we hadn't have been aware of because. To talk to anybody else about this who hasn't thought about their senses, it almost feels kind of like quite a holistic approach or yes. something something that they wouldn't normally do. And what, right. what on earth is she talking it about? It feels but, so abstract and woo-woo. Yeah, 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 that's a really good word. It does feel abstract. So I think, again, this is what we say about stopping and reflecting and maybe reframing. But I guess it's talking about how um, you interact with materials within your home. So firstly, furniture. You know, how supportive is your furniture? And that comes down to touch. That's the material that you are coming into contact with and having a positive sensory experience. So if you're sat on a sofa, and this is really obvious, so you all are aware of the sensory touch, but it's just thinking about, you know, how supportive is the furniture that you're sitting on? And that comes down to ergonomic chairs, sofas that might be causing long-term ailments and niggles mm. that you just think, oh, it's fine, but day in, day out, day in, day out you know, your body is experienced a not a positive sensory effect of those materials. The bedding that you sleep under, for mm. example, if you're waking up at night or you've got insomnia, have you considered that it might be the fact that the materials that you're using are not breathable and therefore you're overheating? How furniture feels, you know, to touch a wooden, lovely reclaimed desk is going to feel much nicer than a shiny melamine piece right. of furniture. It's also a more sustainable choice. So, you can see that if you kind of walk your way through, there are many, many elements of touch. And I think don't underestimate the importance of that tactility. You said the points of contact in our homes. I mean, how there's hundreds, maybe thousands of them. I, I Before I was really aware of design in the home. So this was years and years and years ago. But I remember we were buying our first appliance. <laughs> and all I cared about was what the handle felt like. <laughs> That's so interesting, right? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just like it needed to feel good in my hand, and I still yeah. feel that way with pots and pans. Yeah. So there's one brand that's really, really, you know, very fancy and extremely expensive and and, and probably works beautifully. I cannot stand how the handle feels. So I'll never, <laughs> I'll never buy it. Yeah, but that's, a, you know, I mean, it's amazing how many different points of contact we have with things and how they add up over time. I mean, we haven't even gotten what the rug feels like under your feet or what the linen napkin feels like in your hands. I mean, you're, you're, you're talking about, like you said, things that we might not even have thought of our bodies and how they sit in a chair or a couch. So it, there's just so much to unearth there. But let, let's also now talk about scent, which I think is interesting that in your chapter about it, you, you, you refer to it as the sense, the sense of breathing in. Yes. Not, yeah. not necessarily, you don't really call this the sense of scent or smell, I guess, is how we would normally refer to it. It's this, the sense of breathing in. Talk to us about that a little bit. I think it's probably one of the most empowering senses of all. Mm. I mean, we've all had that experience, haven't we, when we're walking down the road and you smell something and it takes you back to a memory. Yes. yes. Now, whether that's a comforting memory or whether that's a memory that makes you feel really sad, the point is it evokes 
such powerful emotions. Right. I know for me, you know, we grew up, we had a, a fire whenever I smell a bonfire or, you know, it takes me back to my childhood and I feel comfort from that. So mm. the point is, if you can find a sense that resonates with you for whatever reason that might be, even if it's a, you know, the, the washing powder you use or something that smells yeah. of a loved one, it evokes it has the possibility to evoke and bring real comfort to you. So whether, you know, if it's essential oils or whether it's a, a sustainable candle, soy or, or, or a wax candle, pure wax candle without paraffin, having that scent as soon as you walk through your door, that scent sets the tone immediately. And I think one of the things we talk about is making sure we can engage that as soon as we come through the door. Now, some people aren't going to like that. Some people find a smell, you know, too acrid or too sickly, especially if you right. have sensory issues or sensory needs that's not going to work for some right but for a lot it will and it is it's about and this is the thread throughout the whole book what is your specific sensory need mm. you know what's going to engage something that's going to suit you for us mm. we have a lovely a lavender scent we come through the door and the kids love it it's really basic but it's well, and now they associate it with home like that's home to them right exactly yeah. exactly that so I think it's about small, affordable, achievable changes that you can do within your home that doesn't involve thousands of pounds on interior designers or big houses. Right. Or These are small incremental changes that you can make. And sense is one of them. But generally, we will all find one that suits our, our senses. So two things. One, I want to ask you about paraffin issues because you mentioned soy and, and pure wax candles, just to make sure that we're all burning the the things that aren't also causing us to have adverse uh, health effects from whatever it is we're burning. But two, I have a silly question that let's start with this. I want to have a scent greet me when I come home, but I'm not home to light the candle. Uh, that's the point. I'm not home yet. So, so what do you do to have something fill up sort of your entryway so that you smell something <laughs> when you walk home? Not not when your guest mm-hmm. comes in, but when you walk <laughs> home. I know, I'm sure this is a very simple solution that I just, duh, have not thought of. It's a really good question. And thankfully, given the whole kind of like movement for well-being and and havens at home and creating scents that you can simply buy a diffuser that's on a timer. I mean, it's really on a timer. Oh, yeah. of course. Yes. <laughs> Modern technology. That's so obvious. I knew it was going to be obvious. And in terms of, of paraffin, you know, I don't want to start scaring people. Candles that we have in our home for burning for a standard amount of time, which is four hours, is completely safe. It's just that you might choose to have a cleaner burning solution. Um, the candles are absolutely fantastic. And natural beeswax candles are brilliant as well. But soy soy is lovely. We have essential oils at home. That's, that's our sort of choice. I want to ask you about sound, because I think that you talk a little bit about sound as a de-stressor. We'll be back after a quick break. I assume you're here because you want a -a one-of-a-kind, personality-filled home, right? Well, in order to have that, you need to define and develop your signature style. When you do that, you're going to understand how to mix what you already have with new things you find, focusing on who you are and what you love, putting it all together in a cohesive way. 
So what's stopping you? Well, let me know if this sounds about right. Not enough time, not enough money, and a lack of creativity or design knowledge, which makes you feel overwhelmed and insecure about pulling the trigger and changing things up. This is why I created the Slow Style Society, to help you take action on making your dream home a reality. It's part social club for people who like to just geek out on design and part hands-on learning experience where you get better and better at making decor decisions for each room in your home. And for the next few weeks, I'm offering all new members an additional one-on-one style session with yours truly. So I'll take you through the lessons so you know exactly what to focus on inside the Slow Style Framework in what order, and you'll have a personalized support system from me to get you there. Go to slowstylehome.com and click on Join the Society so we can get started right away. Let's not wait for that imaginary perfect time to create your beautiful, meaningful home. Again, go to slowstylehome.com and click on Join the Society. Okay, back to the episode. Yes. Well, interestingly, sound can be a huge cause of stress and de-stress. Okay, yeah. And I think noise pollution is problematic and actually a really common problem for lots of people from for various different reasons. I mean, if you're living in a flat, you might have noisy neighbours from above at the sides, below. If you're living in a, you know, in a city, you've got noise from traffic. So it can be really problematic. And I think when you and I were talking about how you could have a lots of subconscious stress, mm. so stress that you, mm. as you and I have said that you learn to put up with uh, yeah. and you become blind to it. But actually, it's really kind of like getting to you. So it's just like stop and listen. What can you hear when you're at home and what are the things that you can do to alleviate it? One of the things that we suggest, you know, if you own your property and you've got a really busy street, planting. Planting hedges and trees is a brilliant sound diffusion. So if you have permission, obviously you'd want to go for, for you know, plants that are, are more established for the height, but they're an excellent diffuser. I know that. I, I mean, of course, it's a visual, it's a way to visually kind of block off the busy street, but but sound as well, that's wonderful to hear. Really good diffusion. If you've got noisy neighbours, putting anything up against the wall that's going to diffuse the sound as much as possible. So a bookshelf full of books. Mm. It's been an amazing sound barrier. If you own the property, there's no reason why you can't put an extra cavity wall in there. And similarly, uh-huh. if you've got noise coming from below, an extra layer of underlay of carpets or even rugs. So it's finding out where that stress sound point is and alleviating it. But the positive sense of sound, music, again, is a really obvious solution, but something that people probably don't realise the huge benefits of it. I mean, it's used in mental health for children's homes, sensory needs. Music is just such an incredible reliever of stress and lowers cortisol levels. So it's it's something mm. that I would highly recommend mm. yes. everywhere at all times. <laughs> yes, yes. And I, I think we all have our favorite music and often it's the music where we were coming of age or becoming an adult where where we go, oh, I love this song, you know, and it brings you back to a time when you're, I don't know, 20 or something which is wonderful. And I think that's important. But I also think what's nice sometimes to have in the background, even if you're not a connoisseur, is Mm. classical music or jazz. I mean, there's something about both of those genres that, I don't know, just kind of resets our our brains a little bit. 
Do yeah, agree? I agree. Yeah, absolutely agree. And also sounds of nature. Oh, I think it, yeah. was, it was really, really interesting, you know, researching it a little bit more for the book and that because our brains don't recognize nature as a threatening noise, mm-hmm. there's a chemical reaction that happens in the brain that therefore makes it relax. So it's it's a it's a chemical reaction where our brain is like, oh, nature. That's uh, nice. Yeah. There's nothing threatening there. I feel happy. So it's kind of, you know, it's something that we we will, regardless of whether we sort of think we will or not, we absolutely will react to sounds of nature and it will de-stress. Yes, absolutely. And and also silence sometimes is just yes. turning it all off is also yeah. such a relief. Another a sound that I I particularly am drawn to is the sound of of running water so a stream Mm. a brook waves and Mm. um you know that you can get a little fountain in your house right the electric fountain and that sound is just yeah oh it's very calming to me it's the same as the crashing waves isn't it because it's that repetitive meditative stroke and that's kind of what it is it's that regular beat I mean I like you. I, I have such a draw to, to water. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. One day I'll I'll have somewhere by the sea, I'm sure. Right, right, right. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so we, there's a big one that we haven't talked about yet, and that's the visual sense, what, what we yeah. see. And that's what we normally think of when we talk about decor design. And that, that's why this book is so wonderful, because it reminds us that you know, when you're experiencing good decor design uh, through magazines, through social media, even through books, it is all visual. And and it's really nice to remember that that, that that's not how we experience it in real life. In real life, we experience it through touch and through sound and what we're breathing in and all of that. So, but let's do talk about the big one, which is the visual you talk about surrounding yourself with objects that have stories connected to our lives and you call them happy triggers. So so we, let's talk about that for a little bit, but then I want to make sure we have time to talk about your very last section, which is all about color. Mm. Yeah, I mean, happy triggers, it was just a, a, a sort of phrase that, that made perfect sense and it was very easy to understand. And it simply is, as it says, it's looking around and seeing objects that resonate with you or something that evokes that positive sensory connection. For example, looking around and having items such as paintings. My sister's a painter, so I Mm. make sure that when I'm in my place of rest, in bed Mm -hmm. or on the sofa, or sitting on my favourite armchair, in my eyeline are items that will create a positive sensory reaction. And they are my paintings, they are my plants, and it's an eyeline into a room where my children seem to spend 95% of their time now. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's going to be different for everybody else. But that is an easy, cost-effective thing that people can do in their home, which is quickly actionable. Um, yes. And, and whatever those happy triggers are, for me, are going to be different for somebody else. But what what is it that gives you that connection? What do you like to look at? What do you like to see? And mm. they are the things that you need to have in your eyeline at the place of where you're resting most at home. And it's such a great argument for collecting things, keeping things, cherishing things that that do have meaning for us as opposed to going to a big box store and just buying 
what they literally call decor, you know, it, 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 yeah. these objects that are basically dust collectors that, I mean, when you think about that, you know, you, cause you look at some shelves, right. There's a lot of shelf hashtag shelfies out there. <laughs> and, and then, and so then the big, the, the manufacturers go, Oh, people want things for their shelves. So we better make them. Right. And then you go mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh, I'll get, I'll get these three objects that 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 I don't even know what they are, and I'll I'll place them on my shelf equidistant apart. And now I feel, you know, now it looks the way it looks in a picture. But what is your what is your memory? What's your happy trigger there? It's it's literally you drove to the store and bought something. <laughs> there's nothing, yeah, there's nothing no. exciting about that or personal or meaningful. I think it's I think it's a balance. I think that's probably the word. That's the sort of that's the outtake. It's it's balance. And I it's not to say that there isn't a place for items that you see and that you absolutely have to love or right. uh, have to yep. get. It's about intermixing them in with pieces that carry meaning. And it might even be that you found a really lovely thrifty find, you know, a secondhand vintage. Absolutely. Um, but that's someone else's story. That's part of history. And then that becomes your story. And so that that carries a lovely emotional connection because there's a narrative behind it. Yeah. So it's it's about looking at how you can, you know, successfully blend items of perhaps new and ones that carry sentiment rather mm-hmm. than having all new or, or you have to have all old. It's balance. And that's yeah. that's that's the key outtake from it, I think. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. Let's talk about color, because as I said, you, you devote an entire section to it. And color is, I think we know how how powerful it is, how it can instantaneously change the feeling of a room when you change the color. But I think it's also intimidating for people to choose color. I think there's so many choices out there for one thing. And for another thing, I think it's become rather... Um, you know, like you need an expert to tell you what is the right paint color. And, and, Mm. you know, and I, I think that makes people feel afraid. So yeah, let's talk about how you choose color in relation to the natural light in your room, in our rooms. Mm. What, what do you mean by that? How can we do that? Yeah. I think addressing your first point, you're absolutely right. I think people are intimidated by color And I think whilst it's wonderful that, you know, websites such as Pinterest and Instagram have opened up this this platform for design and and, uh, information that's readily available to us, it's almost like has gone a bit the other way sometimes. So people are intimidated to get Mm. it wrong or not knowing what to do or or how to do it. And I think my sort of message would be try not to be afraid about colour. I think take it back to the basics and shut out the noise of almost what you're seeing online. I think as you rightly said, depending on which direction your home is facing in, that's going to hugely impact how colour looks within your home. And I recommend once you've found a colour that you feel you may resonate with, paint a square on your wall no less than one metre square. I mean, not a tiny, not a tiny sample. Right. So I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is in in inches, but I mean, 100 centimeters. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, (laughs) it's pretty big. I definitely, I mean, I have to do that. I can't figure it out unless I see something rather large painted, you know, yeah, yeah. And buy a a sheet of paper that's really huge and stick that on there to to save painting it straight into your walls and just watch how the color changes with the light throughout the day you know east and west facing rooms tend to have a beautiful warm just because of the sunrise and the sunset be conscious of north facing rooms because they can often make color 
look quite cold, but mm. that can be a beautiful thing if you've got a lovely deep colour because it will feel a little bit saturated and, and sharp. So yeah, and you're and cozy. About, you talk about it having that effect of exactly. like really hunkering down and yeah, feeling safe. I, I, yeah, if you have enough light, enough windows in your room, a deep, rich forest green or a deep mm. indigo blue, it, it's stunning. Mm. So I think before you rush into anything, look at the light patterns. And also they're going to be the areas where you might want to create a really beautiful, cozy nook because it gets the beautiful sunset in the evening. And then that's where this lovely forest deep green might really come to life. So oh. it's just spend a time looking at light patterns and how the light falls and how that color responds throughout the day. That would be my guide. And 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 don't be influenced by the do's and don'ts on the, right. on the internet. <laughs> Great. I'm so glad to hear you say that. And that's, you're painting a beautiful, no no pun intended, a beautiful picture (laughs) in my mind of sitting in a a comfortable chair, probably right around 4 p.m. with the light streaming in and just allowing yourself just 10 minutes to just sit Mm. and do nothing and just be bathing that light. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This has been such a wonderful conversation. And I, I, the book is, it goes into a lot more detail than we're able to hear. So I highly recommend getting your hands on it, but I want to ask you my final question, which is why does style matter? Why, why does any of this matter? I think it's a really good question. And I think my my answer would be that it, in my opinion, it's not about style. It's about simply being comfortable in your surroundings and what you can do to sort of aid that. And as I mentioned before, we know now that our home surroundings is intrinsically linked to our mental health. Mm. So it's about engaging what you see, what you smell, what you touch, what you hear and what resonates with you. And once you've got that right, you are well on the way to setting up a home that is future-proof, calm, but above all, happy. Yes, yes. Pippa, you are very much encouraging us to think of our homes as a place where we do a lot of self-reflection. And I really appreciate that. Thank Thank you you so much. Thanks for, for being on with us today. My absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, I hope that was helpful and inspiring. Don't forget to sign up for our upcoming course, Master the Mix. I am so excited about this. Just go to littleyellowcouch.com forward slash master the mix or click on course right at the top. Also, if you go to the website, you'll find photos and information from this particular episode, all of our episodes, everything you want to know about the podcast is also on the website. Have a great week. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening. I know your time is valuable and I really do appreciate you spending it with me. And please, please, please take a minute to leave a review for Slow Style Home wherever you get your podcasts. It honestly does help keep this show on the air and your feedback is highly valuable to me. Have a great day, and I'll be back in your earbuds soon. Bye for now.